I'm Chad Main, the founder of legal services company Percipient, and this is Technically Legal, a podcast about legal technology and innovation in the legal industry. Today's episode, I talk with PacerPro co-founder and COO Anna McGrain. I also talk to president and founder of legal management consultancy fireman company, Joshua Fireman. Joshua and Anna explain why you don't have to boil the ocean to implement change management in legal. In fact, as they will show, change within an organization can start by addressing pressing but solvable everyday problems, like efficiently delivering federal court filings to your legal team. The backstory for this episode is a recent white paper put out by Pacer Pro and Fireman and Company. The purpose of the white paper was to analyze time savings and return on investment gained by law firms when they automated processes usually handled by humans. In Pacer Pro's case, the white paper analyzed the time savings and ROI gained when law firms automated the way they delivered federal court filings to their lawyers and legal teams. When Pacer Pro and Fireman and Company put the white paper together, they also had a second goal too, to offer an example of how solving a common everyday pain point fits into the bigger picture of implementing innovation and change management at a law firm or legal department. The white paper is really interesting, and quite a few AMLA 200 firms participated. Doing the study, Pacer Pro and Fireman and Company figured out that the participating law firms received over 3.2 million federal court filings via email annually. And by automating the way they delivered and filed these emails, the firms conservatively saved about 50,000 hours of human time. Obviously, that time savings is a great gain. But as I read this study, I think it provided evidence of a bigger picture theme that we have heard time and time again from our guests on this podcast, that innovating and making change doesn't require you to tackle every inefficiency and pain point at once or create an easy button that magically transforms and performs legal tasks. As he will explain later, Joshua likes to call this fix-everything-at-once approach as boiling the ocean. But as we will hear, instead of boiling the ocean, change management and legal innovation can start with solving less sexy problems that address actual and everyday pressing needs. Before we get to my talk with Joshua and Anna, a little background about Pacer Pro is probably in order. As I've mentioned in other episodes, I love Pacer Pro. In fact, in episode five, we talked to Gavin McGrain. He's the other Pacer Pro co-founder and the CEO of the company. I wish I would have had Pacer Pro back in my litigation days because it makes searching for, finding, and delivering federal court findings a breeze. PACER is an acronym for Public Access to Court Electronic Records, and it is the electronic filing systems used by federal courts in the United States. Although I give the feds credit for going digital before many states did, if you talk to any federal litigator, they will tell you that PACER can be cumbersome to use, and that's where PACER Pro comes in. I know the PACER Pro crew is going to cringe when I describe the app like this, but I kind of think of PACER Pro as a much cooler and way more user-friendly interface for PACER. But as Anna explains in a minute, the software does a lot more than that. So let's get back to the white paper. To work on the study, Pacer Pro joined forces with Joshua Fireman. As I mentioned earlier, he's the president of Fireman and Company, which is a consultancy outfit that helps law firms and legal departments improve their knowledge management programs, improve their processes, and help them implement change management. So, what's knowledge management, or sometimes referred to as KM? Back in episode 16, I talked to Vishal Agnihotri, who's the chief knowledge officer at Hinshaw and Culbertson. She has a great way of describing KM. She describes it as the ability to identify critical knowledge within an organization and then leveraging that knowledge and serving it up at the right time for the right purpose. In this episode, Joshua is going to talk more about KM, but also how it fits into the bigger picture of change management, which in a nutshell is a documented system or process an organization uses to embrace targeted changes in the way they get their work done. But enough about me talking about what Anna and Joshua are going to tell you. Anna, the Pacer Pro Elevator Pitch. 
So Pacer Pro is a workflow automation and experience capture tool. What we do is leverage the federal court's ECF or electronic court filing system to systematically capture, download, and distribute all of a firm's federal court filings. And then uh, we can also direct them to the firm's document management system in the correct client matter workspace and fully profiled with key metadata such as judge, nature of suit, filer, filing type, etc. So it's it's really an easier way of getting information from PACER in a nutshell, right? Yeah, it automates work that is historically done by a mix of secretaries, paralegals, docketing, and attorneys uh, so that the case team can actually spend more time, you know, like so many of the automation tools, reading the documents rather than managing them. What's the distinction between PACER and ECF? Or is there a distinction? So ECF is the upload side of PACER. It's what you use when you're actually a litigant in the case and say, you decide to sue me after this call, but you've got a complaint, you're going to have to upload that to the court. PACER, which is public access to court electronic records, is where all of those files are stored once they've been entered with the court and then are available to anyone, um, regardless of whether or not they're participating. Joshua, tell me about Fireman and Company. Fireman & Company is, um, first and foremost, a knowledge management-focused consultancy. What makes us unique is that we don't just provide advisory services, but we also do technology implementations and change management. So in other words, whatever the reason is why someone brings us in, whether it touches document management, search, or intranet, or master data management, experience management, almost every engagement follows the same path. There have to be business requirements. There has to be an objective for the firm undertaking the project. And there has to be some outcome that we all agree is going to be delivered to the firm, which ultimately involves um, a pretty comprehensive change management program to make sure that we're not simply delivering tech for the sake of delivering tech or playing the old field of dreams game of, you know, if it's so simple, everyone will know how to use it. Because again, that's not often the case. So. You know, that's really it in a nutshell, which is the people hire firemen and company to design, implement, and see solutions adopted in their firms. How'd you get into knowledge management, change management? I got into it in the very, the, the relatively early years of knowledge management and legal. Back in 2000, I joined a big firm in Canada to help lead KM. The best part about that was that we didn't know what knowledge management was or what we were doing. And so <laughs> we treated it as a, as, as a business project within the firm. In that particular firm, had a significant change management component because we were seeking to draw tacit knowledge out of deals and litigation matters and capture them in a system. Let's draw a distinction here. Give me your definition of knowledge management or KM versus change management. Knowledge management at the end of the day is about leveraging the firm's individual and collective experience to improve the quality and productivity related to work product. Change management is the necessary component of going from ideation and execution to long-term adoption. So in other words, you can have the best idea in the world and you can have the best tech in the world and you can join the ranks of, of the dozens and dozens of law firms who have spent enormous amounts of money to achieve very little at the end of the day in terms of change. So, and, and, and you ask how we got into change management, I'll tell you honestly, it's because, because we had to learn that the hard way. You know, we, we would go in and give a strategy to a firm and, and leave it in their hands without really focusing on how that strategy was going to be turned 
into real adopted processes across practices, across offices, across roles. It, you know, when we started out, we just weren't focusing at that level of understanding who's doing the work, how are they doing the work, what's this change going to mean. The empathy component of change management became critical. And what we realized was that we weren't delivering the results that our clients expected from us until we changed our focus to a long-term change management program, which we strongly differentiate from just training. So to us, there's a big difference between training and change management. Change management is in any project 12 to 18 months, but for us, a framework a firm should run on a full-time basis. Training is just a component of change, and that was the lesson we had to learn. You just mentioned something about empathy and change management. What were you referring to there specifically? Yeah, em- empathy is really critical. There's a lot. You know, unfortunately, people tend to become inured to the, the, the needs and, and the pain points of the people around them who they serve in a law firm. And it's, it's, it's just a function of the job sometimes. And the simple fact is when I say empathy, I don't want somebody coming to me and saying, well, the, the, the attorneys will never learn this. The attorneys are the problem. The attorneys don't attend training. The attorneys don't read my emails. So that's part one, which is you have to always ask yourself why, right? Why? What are they doing? What are we trying to fix? Why? How is the change going to affect them? And then most importantly, this isn't always just about attorneys. You know, change in the law firm means understanding what's the impact going to be on the job of the administrative assistant, the paralegal, the clerk, the managing director, the marketing professional, you name it, right? Whomever we might we might be working with. And all those people have jobs and all those people are working their asses off just to get their job done. If you do not empathetically approach the analysis that you need to do to understand what your change is going to mean to them, not just what the change is going to be, but what how is that going to alter how they work? Is it going to change um, a process that they built up themselves, that they have a personal stake in? That's really critical. You're dealing with people, not things. Change management sometimes lacks that attention to people, I would say. You know, change management is more broad than knowledge management. When I think of knowledge management, I think of an efficient way of you know, being able to find institutional knowledge and data and documents and things of, of that nature. But when you talk about change management, it can touch a lot of different things. Sure, you might have a knowledge management program that is kind of subsumed by your change management initiative, but change management affects like just how lawyers and legal departments do in work in general, right? Exactly. It's, you know, the, I tell you, the light bulb went off for me, you know, just probably over, over a decade ago. I was at a client sitting with their tech committee and one of the partners on the tech committee sort of slaps his hand on the table and he goes, look, I know that I know that I could come in and you could train me on DM, you could train me on email, you could train me on all these systems. But can somebody please tell me how you want me to work? And your point is exactly that, which is change management has to comprehensively look at how people work individually in teams and collaboration with their clients, not in the narrow siloed sense of an application or a single system or a single process. All right. We're going to take five away from my talk with Anna and Joshua. When we come back, 
They're going to talk about how the white paper came to be and why you don't have to boil the ocean to be innovative in the legal industry. We need to do more with less. That is the key takeaway nowadays from almost every survey of in-house counsel. But what if it didn't have to be that way? What if you actually could do more for less? By combining legal expertise and technology, Percipient enables legal teams to get more work done for less. Buried in contracts and sales is frustrated with turnaround time? We can help with that. Did you just get hit with a subpoena and reviewing 100,000 documents and files will tax your resources or cost you a small fortune in billable hours? We can help there too. Our team of legal professionals leverage tech and project management principles with the right amount of human oversight to deliver precise, efficient, and cost-effective legal solutions. Whether it's legal operations and contract management support, subpoena compliance, or document review, Percipient is your partner in really doing more for less. Percipient. Legal services powered by technology. We'll get back to our talk with Anna and Joshua in just a second, but I wanted to take this time to let you know that Technically Legal is pretty much on every major podcasting platform. So if you want to subscribe, you can do it wherever you prefer to listen to your podcasts. If you want to get in touch with me, you can find me on LinkedIn or email me at cmain at percipient.co. That's C-M-A-I-N at percipient.co. And finally, at tlpodcast.com, there's a dedicated page for every episode we do. On those episode pages, you'll find more info about our guests and links to the stuff we talk about. For instance, for today's episode, you can find a link to that Pacer Pro white paper we're talking about. Speaking of which, let's get back to it. We pick back up with Anna talking a little bit about the genesis of the white paper. Most of us who are in this space do think that we are at a pivotal moment of change where there is enough good technology that is available and enough engaged thinkers who are looking for ways to reform, redesign the legal service delivery model. Uh, And in that environment, I think that facts really matter. Uh, And one of the problems that I see with the industry right now is that you know, whether or not you're going to a conference or you're listening to a panel, people will talk about products and they'll talk about processes, but a lot of times that's not accompanied by data. So we don't know what's actually working. We don't know what's failing. And it makes it so much harder for us to learn collectively from past experience. And so my hope was that in opening the books on some of our data, we could affect a sea change. Because I think one of the things that's special about legal is that it ends up being such a very small community. So if a few of us start doing this, we could set a new standard. What at the high level was the goal for putting the white paper together? What did you want to find out? You know, I think one of the things was really just to understand how it was impacting the firms. What PDF to go, which is what the white paper covers, is a very simple tool. What it does is it automates the download of documents and then the sending of those documents out to case teams. But the implications of that, um, of standardizing that process and making it real time and of connecting teams is to actually change how people collaborate. And that's something that's not immediately evident. The other thing was just to to really put some numbers around what one of the inefficiencies was that could be addressed by technology. Prior to us hopping on the recording here today, we were talking, and you know the the big picture for this podcast was this comment I'm about to read from the white paper that Joshua wrote. That interests me is that we're talking about change management, how you should have a system in place to rethink the way you're doing work at your legal department, your law firm. But 
you don't have to bite off more than you can chew. You don't have to solve every problem at once. And, and, and that's exactly why the white paper that we're talking about here today is very interesting too, because it's a great solvable problem. And in fact, there's this quote, Joshua, that you have in the white paper that I really liked, and I'd like you to expand on it. But the, the quote is this, law firms often get caught up trying to boil the ocean, talking about the future lawyer, and that's in quotes, quote unquote, future lawyer, when today's lawyers have pressing and solvable needs. While the receipt and management of electronic court filings may not sound particularly sexy, it is certainly critical to managing litigation. You want to expand on that? An issue that some law firms have is they, they you know, this, I used to say they try to build the space shuttle right off the bat before they even know how to, how to launch themselves. And, and the thing is that, listen, it, it's, it is human nature. So here's the thing. It's, number one, it's human nature to want to accomplish something amazing that no one's ever done. And everybody, everybody should seek that, right? That innovation is going to move the industry forward. And we have a lot of clients who do phenomenal work like that. At the same time, law firms are looking for competitive advantages. It's a tough market, right? So how do I leapfrog? The, we often get the question, how do I leapfrog the competition? But the answer often is, before you can leapfrog the competition, there are many inbuilt inefficiencies in how we work and how we practice. And those aren't necessarily the sorts of projects that are going to that you're going to see nominated for innovative project of the year, or that firms are necessarily always going to put out press releases about. But they're the projects that matter in the everyday lives of those who are providing the services within the firm. And you know, we do the consultants of firemen and company meet with on average, you know, fifteen hundred to two thousand lawyers across firms in any given year. And those meetings are in take place during requirements gathering sessions where we're not asking people about software, we're asking them how they work. And when you talk to people about how they work, they don't sit there and go, if only we had this master system that could do X, Y, Z, they go, if I could just do this one thing, that would be good enough. And you know, the when I sit down with clients and I sometimes explain that the path forward is incremental but valuable. The example they use, and um, usually when I tell this story, Chad, I ask if anybody has ever been to a Passover Seder. This is a Passover reference. So the Passover Seder, there's a part in the Haggadah called Dayenu. And the real message around it is, if only God had done this one thing, if only God had freed the Jews from slavery, that would be enough, Dayenu. And if only the next thing had happened, that would be enough, Dayenu. And you go and you go and you go for several stanzas until you get to the promised land. And so the point of something, of, of really focusing us on something like the service that Pacer Pro provides and these projects that don't necessarily get the giant press of a big AI project and a gigantic innovation project is Dayenu right? These little pieces are often enough and they move the needle and they improve people's work-life balance. They improve the overall productivity. They improve client service. They de-risk. And they're not multi-year, multi-million dollar projects. And look, I love doing a multi-year, multi-million dollar project, but I also love seeing quick results from straightforward processes that we know need improving and then finding an amazing partner and tool like that offered by Pacer Pro, they can do it. And so that's where that came from. How do you get people to appreciate that, hey, <laughs> efficiently delivering my federal court filings to my team moves the needle? It may <laughs> solve more problems in 
at least in the short term, than that magic button we all want to, you know, feed a contract in some software and it's going to spit out everything you need to do to go back to opposing counsel and negotiate. How do you, when you're, you're working with your clients, get them to to buy into the fact that some of these, you know, not I don't want to say small term, but like day to day gains are really important. It's how you get the ball moving. In many ways, like arguing that a, a thousand mile journey begins with the first step, and the different features that Pacer Pro offers are just different steps along that path. We have, with some of the clients, gotten in because a particular attorney was just very frustrated because they were in a high volume case and they could not get their documents quickly enough. And so then the the service sort of spoke for itself. um, And so there wasn't as much of a need to evaluate the whole process. The attorney who was frustrated and got you in the door at that firm he didn't. He wasn't looking for some artificial intelligence to help him draft the perfect, you know, response to a summary judgment motion. He just wanted to solve something, a problem he was running into every day. You know, that is efficiently getting information. In this case, federal court filings to his team. So the question originally was: When you're going to sell products or convince lawyers to change the way they're doing, how do you get them to focus on these easier wins or more, you know, everyday problems than worrying about? that future lawyer, finding the perfect software to help them do their job? Oh, so that actually is quite easy um, because what you do, if it's an attorney that I'm pitching to, I bring my phone, I show them the PDF to go email on it and the attached PDF and I open it up and I'm like, hey, look, this comes within one to two minutes. Would you like this set up for you? If you're working with a docketing professional, you ask them how often they get requests to download documents and you say, hey, look, we can get it out to the whole case team in real time so you won't get those requests anymore. And then if you're talking to somebody in you know, knowledge management or library, um, it's much more of a conversation of you know all of the extraordinary work product that your firm is producing, and you know it's not all reliably making it onto your DMS. Uh, We can get rid of the human component. When you did the study here in the white paper, what surprised you the most? Or was there a finding out there you said, oh, man, that's really cool. I didn't think about that. You know, I I tell you, Chad, for me, because we do do a lot of projects in a lot of firms, and what we always hope for, and, and I have to admit, don't always get, is the how did I ever live without this reaction? Like, I mean, honest, honestly, I think we do a lot of great DM work, right? But, you know, you don't have people raving down the hallways about their document management systems most of the time in a law firm, right? It's a well-designed necessary evil. But when you, you know, when, when you get that kind of reaction from a change and someone say, wow, that's, you know, that's, that's just, that's a process change, right? It's a simple and not obviously at the Pacer Pro backend level, but to a user, a relatively simple shift to be able to make that creates a noticeable improvement. And they're just happy about it. It reduces stress, not just efficiency, but reduces stress. That was for me, one of the most striking things when, when I really started to dig into the reactions to Pacer Pro inside the firms as, as I was preparing the white paper. Conclusions. Is there any conclusions you drew from the study or the white paper that are actionable that you're going to use going forward? We did a deeper dive into a breakdown of practice groups with this report to better understand. Um, you'll see that there's some discrepancies in the number of PDF to go that are sent per attorney per firm. And once we started to look at where that was coming from and the 
the answer was um, pretty straightforward, right? Firms with high volume bankruptcy or employment law tend to get a lot more PDF to go per attorney. Firms with um, large appellate practices tend to have far fewer um, notices of electronic filing per year. Uh, firms that do white collar securities um, tend to have larger case teams. So that part was definitely interesting just in understanding how the different practices impact the amount of filings that are being processed by different groups. Um, And then, of course, long-term thinking about different ways and different features that you might build to help uh, manage that for the firms. I guess, you know, the other thing that was interesting to me about the paper was that the firms were willing to share this information. I do think that we've gotten you know, very, very lucky in the partners that we've found at these firms and that they are all thinking about the future of practice. Um, and then, of course, having Joshua actually be the one that writes the, the paper was very helpful because of his reputation within the industry. But I, I thought it was a positive sign that they were willing to do that um, and very grateful for it. Why do you think or why were you worried that these firms wouldn't share that information? Because I don't see that data elsewhere very often. I see a lot of press releases and I don't see numbers. Well, but is that because, you know, the the law firm or legal department hasn't taken the time to compile that information? Or is it because you think that it just isn't getting out or someone hasn't thought to to advertise it? I mean, I do think that we were lucky with Pacer Pro. I, you know, we didn't publish all of the usage data. We have a bunch of other features that the firms are using. We chose to limit it to just one of the features for simplicity and clarity. And it's it's a very easy, straightforward calculation because we know the number of filings that we are processing on their behalf. And we use an estimate within the paper of five minutes because we think that that's what's fair. And you know people are welcome to save four minutes or six minutes or whatever they think is the appropriate amount of time. So it is probably true that with our product, it's easier to release those types of numbers and feel confident about them than with some of the other tools that are on the market. I would imagine sometimes there's hesitancy um, on the part of vendors, but I, I don't actually know what the root cause is. Let's go back to you. You talk about the timing element. You said, well, we, we came up with five minutes, but you can quibble. It's four to six. What specifically is, is happening in that five minutes? So somebody on the team receives the notice of electronic filing from the court. Via email. Yeah. So it's sent via email. The court sends a a notice of electronic filing that says, hey, motion to dismiss has been filed. Uh, Somebody must then click the hyperlink, which takes you to Pacer. If you're the first person to click the hyperlink, you won't have to log in. Otherwise, you will. Then you will click another couple of hyperlinks to actually get to the underlying document. The document as downloaded from Pacer will be labeled either show underscore temp or a series of uh, numbers. So the individual will have to relabel it properly. So it's, you know, the declaration of gray in XYZ case uh, so that it can be attached to an email. Typically, there's going to be a couple of documents attached to any notice of electronic filing. Um, So you're going to have to repeat that for each individual document, then drag and drop them into Outlook. You'll add the distribution list, um, draft a subject line, then draft an email, which all, of course, can be done quickly. Uh, My own experience at a law firm was that it always took me a very long time to draft any particular because I wanted to make sure I didn't make any typos. You're sending it out to a distribution list of 15 people um, that everything looks nice and tidy. Uh, And then actually clicking send. We wanted that number to be conservative, so we assumed that in the status quo, there was only one individual within a firm who was downloading and distributing the document to everybody. 
anecdotally, we know that's not the case. Uh, so an attorney might get the notice from the court and then quickly download the document for their own immediate consumption because you know they want to see what the order is. They want to see if opposing counsel's motion to dismiss is really something that they should be worried about. Then the docketing department may separately download it because they need it for calendaring purposes. Records department may separately download it um, because nobody else has sent them the downloaded document. And then a secretary, paralegal, uh, or junior associate will download the document, label it, and distribute it out to the case team. And then how does Pacer Pro make that easier? Describe the process if I use Pacer Pro. Uh, so we do a one-time backend setup where we add a Pacer Pro email address to the attorney ECF profile. And then on a going forward basis, the attorney um, and any associated staff will automatically receive for every filing in every case, a email within one to two minutes of the court notice that has the labeled PDF attached. Uh, and then the staff member that receives the Pacer Pro email can also set up a distribution list so that the entire case team can get the notice uh, in real time. So basically, you set up a distribution list one time at the beginning of the case, and then going forward, everybody gets what they need without any more clicking or, or downloading. And Pacer Pro, too, integrates with document management systems, too, right? So there's not that other step of filing it. Yeah. And so that's actually a substantial amount of additional time saved. Um, and it wasn't covered in this paper because, again, we were, we were hoping to keep it simple and clear. But the, the next step is once that document has gotten out to the case team, somebody will need to drag and drop that into the document management system. A couple of problems that happen there um, is one, depending on where the firm is in its document management journey, people may not save it to the DMS. They may prefer to save it to a share drive. Um, so you're going to have some documents that are lost. Then if the staff member is short on time, the documents may not be properly labeled. So a motion to dismiss may end up being labeled MTD. The next thing that's really problematic is that all of the key metadata that is included in the ECF notification will be stripped and then will need to be re-entered, which most people don't have time for. The metadata is worth some consideration because it is entered by litigants when they're doing the actual filing. So it includes things like the filer, the filing type, the document description. And so these are people who are intimately familiar with the underlying litigation. And then if they get it wrong, the judge can either correct or the court can either correct or bounce the filing. Uh, so there's a very strong incentive to get all of the associated metadata correct. And most of that is then lost when somebody has to manually re-enter it from the ECF notification into your DMS. When you use an automated solution, um, if it's iManage, all of that information just pops into the comment section. If it's a net documents environment, then we can create dynamic fields, but it really streamlines and cleans up the process. Josh, we've already kind of talked about it, you know, as far as getting a change management program going. I asked this pretty much every guest that comes on, what's the first thing or the easiest thing a law firm or a legal department, a lawyer can do to start making these changes? So I'll throw the question to you. We've already talked about, you know, one of the things you can do to, to get the ball rolling is not try to try to solve everything at once, work on a day-to-day -day solvable problem, a real pain point. But other than that, what, what are things lawyers can do, the first step they can take to get a change management program in place? Because it's more than just saying you're going to do it. And talking about change, you need to kind of formalize it. You do. It's really important that lawyers and firms understand that change management is something that takes place over time. So it's really critical to ask yourself, number one, to associate the changes with outcomes 
And then to say, where do I want to be at the end of the day? And how am I going to get there? And that might be 12 months or 18 months from now. And you have to map it that way. You have to monitor people's behavior. You have to support them. You, you really do ultimately need a framework in place that's going to assist people along that journey. And again, the, the empathy piece is so critical. When I can't tell you the number of times that, that I've sat down with a client in sessions and, and afterwards the client has said after a requirement session, wow, I learned more about my own firm in the last two days than I would have in the last year. And that's because we, we really focus on creating an open environment where people don't need to be embarrassed about talking about how they work. And that's critical. Nobody's, so I'll say, you know what, the most important thing is create an environment where nobody feels judged by admitting that they know they could be working differently or better, right? Just honestly speak in front of a colleague or a peer about how you work and what improvements you wish you could bring to your own work. I guarantee you that there is a high level of consistency across roles in the firm when you start to learn those pieces, and then you go from the easier ones to the harder ones. So it's listen and create an environment of trust, show that empathy, and then build the execution structure around. Anna, Joshua, thanks for being here today. If uh, Anna, if someone wants to get a hold of you, how do they find you? Uh, Anna, A-N-N-A, at PacerPro.com. Joshua, someone's looking for you. Where do they go? Joshua.Fireman at Fireman.Company. Well, that's a wrap for today's episode. As always, we really appreciate you listening. As I mentioned earlier, if you want to find us, you can find us on most major podcast platforms. So you can subscribe there. And if you like us enough, give us a good review. Thanks again for listening. This has been Technically Legal. Stay safe out there.